Dano, and this is the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping family units grow in love together by teaching them how to read aloud as a family. Hey, could you do me a favor? Could you drop a review and some stars, typically, hopefully five, in in the um, comment box below and, you know, hit the star thing and ask a question because I check these questions and this is how I plan content to teach you how to do this hard thing called read aloud dinner or reading aloud as a family. I think we just throw it out there like this is easy, but it's not. So ask me a question. Let me as a college instructor do the research for you and I'll get back to you. We'll be back in just a second. Today, we are going to talk about the sixth item in the Bernstrom Reading Framework. This is a plan that helps inspire reading in kids and families. So the sixth item asks the read aloud dinner practitioner to teach phonics when necessary, starting at age seven. Now, this is a little bit controversial, but hey, we're going to go there. Let's review the Bernstrom Framework first, and then we'll jump in to this last item. Now, the Bernstrom framework works like this. Schedule a time to read aloud as a family. Now, this is the Read Aloud Dinner podcast, so we read at dinner times. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. If you're from different parts of the United States, it's just just called dinner. And dinner could be a snack. What I'm trying to say is tie, try to tie reading with something enjoyable, food, typically keeps kids there at the table, but it doesn't have to be. You could read aloud at nighttime in a bed. Just set a time to read aloud. Two, set a timer for about 20 minutes. Now, let's say you do, you can't get up to 20 minutes right away. That's fine, but know that if you hit 20 minutes a day, you're doing great. Sometimes you go over, but 20 minutes, I think, is like the magic number for moving through a story, connecting as a family, and getting through material pretty well. So 20 minutes, I say, is all you really need. But, I mean, I definitely enjoy more. Three, read developmentally appropriate books. So read books that are at their age level or books that these kids enjoy. Even with a multi-age family, we have kids from nine months to eight years old. So our age range is rather wide. So we try to, we usually include a picture book or two, including a chapter book that the kids with, can, um, can engage in, even with picture, picture, chapter book with pictures. Number four, model reading comprehension. So ask questions, look up words that you're unfamiliar with. This helps teach the child that we are all seekers. We are all learners. And if you model that, Instead of just like, hey, I always know what to do, you that's humility. You teach your child to, hey, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to look things up. Number five, use the local library. And then number six, what we're on today, is teach phonics when necessary, starting at age seven. And that's where we're that's where we'll begin today. 
So I know it could be a little controversial to say, teach phonics when necessary at age seven. This is hard for me to even say because I needed phonics. And so that's why I leave it in here. The book that I primarily use is, you know, Jim Trelease's book about reading aloud. And though I agree with many, many of the things he says, I disagree with how he almost makes fun of phonics. It's almost hurtful the way that he does it. He says it's necessary. He says it's important. And I will agree with his general assessment that phonics maybe has grown a little bit, has taken up maybe too much time, but and this is this is a huge reading war, a, a debate in the reading community. And he's on one side of the of the aisle, and I might be on the other. The reason why I'm on the other is because I am very sure I grew up dyslexic. I'm ninety nine point nine nine percent sure. Even as an English instructor, I I still mix up words. I still can't spell. You know, I've looked at words over and over and over again. I try to remember the spelling. I've practiced and I've practiced and I could spell a lot, but it's really funny that when I get nervous, it's kind of like when the old habits start to return. When I get nervous or afraid, everything scrambles and I can't spell a darn thing. I also do mix up my B's and my D's still. I still write words backwards. It'll be, it'll be, I'll be typing and I will literally write the word backwards. I have trouble reading. I've read over and over and over again as a family. My wife will pick up the book and read flawlessly. I will pick up the book and I will stumble over the words. I can't read. So I feel like this is especially impactful or should be especially impactful because a person who has struggled with reading his whole life is telling you this is important. So I guess it's a little bit different and I have to, and I have to also put my bias up front and say I believe that phonics is important because it was really necessary for me and because there was a teacher like Jim Trelease who thought that just exposure to words were, was, was going to work, I was really harmed by that philosophy. So he, again, he's um, dismissive, he's cavalier, and it's offensive in his book. So I'm, I'm going to say that. Sorry to cause little ruffles maybe in the read aloud community, but um, I did not consider his approach to phonics appropriate. Though you can disagree with the amount of phonics that we teach to kids in, in schools. The method or the reason behind how you approach that topic needs to be done with sensitivity and care because real harm was done. Um, I repeated first grade. I, my mother had to sit down with me and use hooked on phonics to teach me how to read. Even now, I, I recognized it in my son, 
how he was going through school and he wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it. And I was glad that the teacher was using phonics. The teacher, I don't think, knew much about teaching reading. I thought she was excellent, but I quickly saw, okay, an intervention needs to happen. So I actually withdrew my son from school and we started teaching him phonics. And sure enough, you could take a dyslexic little checklist and my son is exhibiting all the signs. You're like, well, that's rare and the school should have stepped in. And yes, you can teach phonics and you could teach and you could expose children to good books. But my son was a avid reader. He wanted to read. He was excited for all the reasons that the uh, Jim Trelease in his book mentioned, because we do read aloud a lot as a family. He was excited, but he just couldn't do it. It was until we got the 100 Days book, and I'm trying to remember. Let me let me like jump over to Amazon really quick and uh, grab it for you all here. Let's go to Amazon. It was because of that book that my son actually, I mean, it corrected some of his speech problems. It was amazing. And I highly recommend it. I'll put it in the show notes too. 100 Days Reading. Okay, it's called Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. And I will link that in the show notes for this episode. Now, this is a hard book to understand, though. So I could see how some parents could attempt this book and fail. And uh, I should actually do some YouTube videos about how to do it. And this is why you're important as a, as a listener is, you know, should I do that? Should I do a whole lesson on teaching you as a parent to actually how to use this teacher child to read in a hundred easy lessons? And it was, we did a hundred easy lessons. My child couldn't read. And by the end of it, by, by about a hundred days or so, he was reading rather confidently. Now, I'm going to juxtapose him, that's a hard word, juxtapose him with another child, same age. Uh, My child is now seven. We started him when he was six. So, you know, about the age of seven. Um, And it was a good time for him because he could, you know, start to focus and wasn't as wiggly. And so, like, especially for boys... I think that age of seven is rather appropriate. Now, some can do it earlier. You know, I think my 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 two-year-old could start learning how to read. She's really intelligent. She follows directions really easily. And um, the, um, the teacher child to read in 100 Easy Lessons would say, yeah, please teach your child, how, you know, you know, if they're two or, you know, if they're three or four, start teaching them where Jim Trilly says, you know, hold off and let them play. And I'm like, okay, sure. So which, which, which is the two different methods, okay? Teaching them how to read versus like osmosis. And this is, the, these are kind of the two camps in the reading aloud or the reading. I mean, there's more than that, but these are, these are kind of the two big ones. And so it's, it's important to address that issue here 
on this podcast. So do I teach my child phonics? I think the, the, um, well, my approach for many things is to start with the least invasive thing to do and then move to invasive. So if that's health or that's, that's working with my college students, I mean, like if a student doesn't turn in an assignment, I don't freak out on them as an instructor, right? I just like, you missed the assignment. We'll see if they turn in the next one, right? And they turn the next one and they're back on track. They just missed it for whatever reason. Maybe I'll talk to them and say, hey, did you know this assignment? Oh man, I forgot. I'm so sorry. That's that's called the least invasive. Then you can kind of pick it up. Let's say they keep missing an assignment and then you, and then you email them and say, here, you know, turn in these assignments. This will help you get back on track. They don't respond to, maybe they respond to that email like, oh, I'm sorry, this is, this is what I need to do. And then, okay, we're good. So wait, number one, two, maybe ask, like see how's everything going on. And three, the student's not doing anything. I need to call the college counselor. I need to give them a call. I need to set up a weekly appointment with them. And I need to make sure that they're on track and doing well. That would be very invasive. Like I'm in their space, I mean, or not invasive, or intrusive for that word. This would be very intrusive. Same thing with reading. Now, you can start with reading and just read, 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 and point things out to them, and maybe they'll pick up words. But um, I'm actually going to bring up my sister's point of view on this because my t- my sister wasn't taught phonics, and then when she she did learn how to read but then she moved schools like we did we moved schools and because she didn't know phonics she could not find new words and she was actually left at a deficit i was left um behind same family same supportive parents and i had the uh, the blessing of having a mother that realized what was going on and stepped in I really wonder what would have happened had I not had that mother who noticed and then, you know, bought the Hooked on Phonics and then taught me what to do. And Hooked on Phonics, you know, was that the best curriculum? I mean, frankly, this 100 100 reading lessons or 100 days to reading was was fantastic. What a great book. So, but again, it's complicated. And I think Hooked on Phonics with all their little books and things was very good. Actually, it was more in-depth, very strong program. The thing I don't like about Hooked on Phonics today is that it's moved entirely, not entirely, it's moved to an online digital format. And that is wrong. It is wrong. I know some parents want that. And and, and you you have to do that as a company to survive. And, and we've already heard in my last podcast about how I'm kind of like anti-digital. Get it. Get it. So you have to know that about me. I do. I have a bias. I, my mother says I have these strong opinions. I'm a college instructor. I'm used to being at the front of the class and like students bowing to me. So you have to take what I say with a grain of salt. But I do have opinions. And I think that no reading curriculum should be online. It should all be paper 
pencil. I say this as a millennial. I say this as a digital native. I say this as a person who has an electronic media communications degree and someone who has a master's of fine arts in writing for children and young adult. So I feel like I have some sort of more knowledge than some people about why we should not keep subjecting children at a high rate to technology. We should use print and books, and they do really well. So that's why I would favor the 100 reading lessons over Hooked on Phonics, though I think their product is brilliant, Hooked on Phonics. And uh, I, I do wish that company really well, and I'm indebted to them in many respects. So when I taught my daughter how to read, I we did phonics with her as well. And we taught her how to use phonics, <laughs> you know, true confession. We did use a digital format. We, we used a format called Monkey Jr. And this is important because we used a, a digital format called Monkey Jr., for her. And I just, I was actually teaching her digital literacy at the time. And so I can see that, right? It was, but it was, it was more passive. It was like, Hey, here's a game. You you can do this for 15 to 20 minutes a day. I'm going to teach you digital literacy. So this computer thing doesn't become obsessive with you. And we learn how to master the computer instead of the computer mastering you. In that time, she learned phonics using Monkey Jr. My son did it. My son was actually able to pass every test on Monkey Jr. He's an incredibly intelligent boy. So my daughter did it. She learned how to read. My son passed every single test on Monkey Jr., failed to read. He could recognize patterns. He could see where things ought to go, but he couldn't read. And that's the problem. That's the big problem that's happening without teaching phonics and making sure their child really understands. Now, out of all of these episodes so far, I've only dedicated this one to phonics. And I think that phonics is necessary, whether the, the reader is, you know, you could you teach them through osmosis and just reading, or you teach them through basic um or you, or, you, or you teach them through like exposure. I've written a series of books called the Rex and Palm books. One of the books is out now. It's called Rex and Palm Hunt. The next book, Ninja, Rex and Palm Ninja, is coming out this month. I just have to get it done. It's written. I just The illustrations are done. I just have to put it together. And I'll put it on Amazon. But the reason why I wrote these books is because they are phonetically, uh, how do I say this? You could read them phonetically. Phonics, the phonics rules apply about to 90%. I don't use like the word the, and I mean, I've been to the library. I tried to get my kid to read. I went to the library and I picked up books and they had all like, you know, the book would start off good, but then they'd throw in all these other words that would really just confuse him and frustrate him. And so using words carefully and like, hey, like, yeah, okay, this sound is going to be a little bit different. Like the uh 
if I'm going to say Rex and Paul went on a hunt. So, a or a hunt. A hunt or a hunt, right? There's two different sounds I could say. And teaching, having those discussions with kids is important for, for the phonics. Um, it's important to teach them how to read. But if you introduce too much at once, it can really scramble things. The, the 100 reading lessons actually just blew my mind at what what that was able to teach my son. He learned the TH sound. He learned the SH sound. He, wore, he learned the OW sound. He learned it all together. And I was just super impressed by the curriculum and how the author, the authors tackled it. Brilliant, brilliant book. Hard to understand, but brilliant. So I really should do some teaching lessons about how to crack that book for so, so parents can can really access it. Because I think to some degree, uh, if you don't, if you're not a strong reader, it's going to be hard to access it. Or if you have, if you have limited time, it's going to be hard to access. The reason why I believe in phonics and why I wrote those books, because I think kids need to learn the rules and then learning those rules, then they can learn that some of the rules don't apply and why. But as long as they know that English has a general structure and that we can follow it, I would say 60% of the time. <laughs> English is a terrible language. If we could follow it most of the time, that we'll be guided where we ought to go. That's why I wrote the Rex and Palm books. And that's why this podcast is here. That's why I've launched Bernstrom Readers. That's why I've stepped out of my traditional publishing role with HarperCollins. I'm still published through HarperCollins. I have a new book coming out through Astra Publishing and Hippo Park. So I'm published by traditional publishers, and I believe in the work, the beautiful work that they do. But they're, they can't publish books like this, or they, it's hard for them to publish books like this just because it's hard for them to make money on them. And I, and I, and I get it. I get it. I mean, the, the cost of the illustrator and everything, it can be very expensive. That's why I've done it on my own. So you have a award-winning, critically acclaimed, uh, you know, I guess, you know, successful picture book writer taking his knowledge of story and applying it to these phonetically uh, true books like the Bob books and I'm going to get to the Bob books in just a moment this helps okay stories help reading to, to kids helps getting them in, engaged and and excited about literature is wonderful and if you do that and you consistently do that from elementary to high school, they, their education will blow up and their ACT scores will be great. And, you know, all what all the research says is generally true, you know, with a few outliers. It's, it's all true. I was helping, uh, I've told the story, I'm helping a kid learn how to read. And same issue, problem, struggled with the 
reading, but this actually wasn't a problem with dyslexia. This was a problem with actually the teacher not having the resources she needed. So what happened is the teacher would print off stuff online and would give them these like rec these these Bob books, but they were really, really short and they were not engaging at all. They were they'd cut them out and they'd put them together, which I don't know if it really is that cost efficient that way versus writing a grant and getting like 50 sets of these things would probably be a better thing for the school to try to do. Anyway, what I ended up doing is I sent a progression of books and I'm I'm going to put this on the web, my website. Just give me time. And you know, if you if you ask enough questions or you inter- engage with me on the podcast, I will do it. I will. But what I did is I laid out like a curriculum. Like let's start with the Bob books. The Bob books are amazing books written by teach by written by a teacher that needed a resource to help kids read. So the Bob books. My book, the Rex and Palm series, would fit somewhere like with the Bob books or like in the middle of the Bob books. So my series is kind of a parallel, if not a little bit, just a touch after, maybe like 10 steps. You know, if you're if there's 100 yards, you know, Bob books would be like the very first, like the starting line and then just walk 10 steps forward and then that there would be my book. So not, so not much of a difference. But they are longer. They're, so Bob books are really short but and i th- i think they're i think they're they're really silly and i mean they're funny and the person did a great job making the bob books i'll put their link in the show notes too but i did the bob books and then from the bob books i did dr seuss because that was dr seuss's whole aim so i did dr i did the bob books dr seuss these books that could be read phonetically and so kids could win and they could understand the rules. And then from there, I started introducing the the Theodore Seuss Geisel award-winning books. Now, I'm actually not a fan of some of the Theodore Seuss Geisel books that they've selected. I know they're reading teachers that are selecting them. I'm going to go on a limb and say they get it wrong sometimes but they get it right other times so um but i look i look at the theater seuss geisel books and i say oh this one was good this one was not and then i find the authors that were related to the theater seuss geisel books so mo willems is a wonderful book a wonderful person to do next so i did i did um, the bob books then i then I did Dr. Seuss, then I did Mo Willems, and then I added a few more of the Theodore Seuss Geisel books that were a little bit on the on the like more advanced end. And maybe that's what the committee does. So maybe I should give them I, I'm gonna give them credit because they've helped me. And maybe you don't even know what the Theodore Seuss Geisel books are. It's an award by the American Library Association that is given for these these early readers to help kids read. Now you know, right? That's why you listen to this podcast and that's why a children's writer is teaching you um, how to navigate books. Scholastic is also um, 
something that you could use. I need to learn a little bit more about Scholastic. So before, I, I mean, I've bashed Jim Trelease. I've bashed the Theodore Seuss guy. So, I mean, I'm just I'm just on a roll, just, just, just being mean to everyone. Not, I mean, I'm kind of sick. I'm just going to say sorry. Not my best moment. <laughs> no, the, so Theodore... Jim Trelease, love his work, doing his work. Um, I think I bashed Hooked on Phonics too. How sad. Hooked on Phonics taught me how to read. And then Theodore Seuss-Geisel Award as a resource I go to to teach kids how to read. And then from there, after those books, Bob Books, Dr. Seuss, Theodore Seuss-Geisel, then I moved into books that... Um, we're actually like more advanced. I, I moved to Mercy Watson. I moved to books that kids liked. I then flirted with this line between advanced books and fun reads and things that kids could learn. So this would be like my book, One Day in the Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus tree would be on this line. It'd flirt with that line of teaching kids to read and and a, f- a fun book that they could engage in. So then I then I kind of introduced that middle water and then now I've moved him into the Dogman books, and I'm going to kind of introduce some other books to him that will then kind of make him more of an independent reader. Now, what's happened is that his vocabulary has expanded. He's reading on his own. Um, but the magic happened when his grandfather would read these books to him every day. And then because he read these books to him every day, he then developed a love of reading and wanted to read these books by himself and they would sit down together and have these conversations and that's the magic of reading aloud at dinner now is it at dinner or is it together does no it don't stress out about the time it's that you're sitting down and you're doing it together maybe you have a big family okay then use that time to spark joy with your family spark the joy of reading with your family and then from there, introduce, um, then from there, like start reading individually with kids. Well, I don't have enough time. My answer is try to make time. 20 minutes, 15 minutes, look at your iPhone, see how, many, see how long you're on your iPhone. If you're on more than four hours a day, or if you're, more, if you're on your iPhone more than two hours a day, you have time to read 20 minutes to your kids a day. Um, that's something you can do. And and I think that's a challenge for you. And I'm out of time. And thank you, thank you, thank you for putting up with me and listening to the Read Aloud Dinner podcast. This was this this was this episode on phonics and the importance of phonics. Thank you for like letting me get all of my anger and frustration out. I will include the resources that I just talked about in the show notes, but please interact with me, drop a review, ask me questions. Let me help you and let's do this journey together. Dano out.